I'm Kelly Coffey, CEO of City National Bank. Our Conversations podcast features in-depth interviews with innovative leaders from business, entertainment, and nonprofits. Listen and learn how to succeed in what I'm calling the next normal. Now is the time to rethink, reinvent, and renew yourself and your business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Conversations podcast. I'm Linda Duncombe, Chief Marketing Product and Digital Officer at City National Bank. We've been celebrating Pride Month here at City National, highlighting the LGBTQ community. So I am delighted to introduce our very special guest today. She's a WNBA champion, known as one of the most powerful voices in the league, both on and off the court. A vocal member of the Black Lives Matters movement, an advocate for gun violence reform, and champion of equal rights for women and the LGBTQ community. She uses her platform to advocate for those who need it most. In 2020, she signed major deals with Converse and Hennessy, earned a spot on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, and was named Outsports Female Hero of the Year. Please welcome the starting point guard for the Washington Mystics, Natasha Cloud. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us today on the Conversation Series. Thank you for having me. Listen, you got me blushing, can't see it, hype me up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you. So in 2015, the Mystics chose you as their second round pick and 15th overall in the WNBA draft. Like, wow, congratulations. Thank you so much. Tell us about your journey to the WNBA. How did you get there? Where were some of the challenges you faced? And what did it feel like when you finally reached that moment? Oh, man, my journey has been one for the history books. It's been a blessed journey along the way. I call myself the underdog. I've kind of been that underdog player my whole life. I've been that kid that she's good, but she's not good enough. Uh, She's really good, but she's not WNBA good. Uh, So, you know, I was raised by two parents that told me to work um, and, you know, how much work and passion and love I put into this game that will always give back to me. Um, So that's why I did. Um, You know, I just continued to keep my head down, worked really hard, understood first and foremost that this game of basketball could present me with an education that otherwise I don't know if I could have been able to afford. Um, So I was able to go to private Catholic school for high school. I was able to go to college to get a degree. I've been able to travel the world through this game. In 2015, uh, I was the 15th pick. And that moment for me was such a surreal moment because all the work that I put into this game, I mean, what I gave up, what I sacrificed, whether it was time with my family, time with my loved ones, friends, dances, I've skipped proms, uh, I missed my graduation, like everything that I put into this game is now coming back to me and and my dream of what I dreamed from an 11-year-old girl. This is now my reality. And to do it, to be a mid-major kid, Uh, It was everything. Um, So came to the Mystics, didn't really know what I was in for. uh, But here I am seven years later, I have a WNBA championship. So that 11-year-old girl from Broomall, Pennsylvania, um, those dreams all became a reality. Um, and so I've been very, very blessed in my career. That's amazing. Like I just, I have chills hearing you talk about that and just the sacrifices you had to make at such a young age too to really achieve, you know, some dreams. It's, it's phenomenal. You know, and as a professional athlete, you have to be resilient. And you were kind of talking about resilience then, you know, determination and the mental strength and stamina to play at the highest level. How have you developed these skills over the course of your career? Uh, I think how my parents raised me prepared me a lot for not only life, but this game of basketball. Um, I talk about how I grew up in playing Philly basketball a lot. Um, you know, I grew up right outside Philly. So that also prepared me for a lot of things um, that this game has thrown at me. But 
I think the biggest leap in my career came uh, when my third year, I had fought off our sports psych for like three years because as athletes, we're like natural competitors. Me thinking that if I go talk to a sports psych, this is a weakness for me and I'm not supposed to have weaknesses as an athlete. So I'm going to figure out how to deal with, you know, all my emotions, the pressures of this game, the, the stress that comes with being the point guard, with being a professional athlete, all those things. I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Um, and then I got to a point where in my third year, I was just like, I need help. Like, I'm really struggling um, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Like, I think I need help to figure out how to navigate some of these things. And um, it made the most drastic change in my career and in my everyday life of just being able to be present in the moment to understand that, okay, I got to be able to control the controllables and um, really just to be like 10 toes down. Uh, it was the biggest jump for me. So definitely just taking care of my mental health. It's incredible. Thank you. Identity is a huge topic for this generation. As a biracial and bisexual woman, is feeling comfortable in your own skin something that you advocate for? And, and how do you celebrate that? I think I advocate and celebrate so much for it now because I really struggled when I was younger. Being a biracial kid growing up in an all-white family, you felt I'm not white enough, I'm not black enough, I'm kind of in this gray area. Um, so I very much struggled with who I was and what I wanted to stand for and being comfortable in my own skin and embracing myself for me. Um, and I think it took getting to the W of being in a safe space and surrounded by just strong and independent, intelligent women constantly. It just made me like, I can be myself and I'm going to be embraced. I'm going to be loved. I'm going to be seen and I'm going to be heard. And so I think, you know, getting to this league, it, it really took me to about 23, 24 years old to be like, I'm proud to be biracial, but I identify as a black woman in America. And for that, you know, my life is at a threat. So embracing just being a black queen almost, and then also coming out about my sexuality as a bisexual woman. When I finally got to that point, it made the biggest difference again in my career and in my everyday life because I was happy and I embraced exactly what makes me me. Um, and that's powerful in itself. And it really did kind of translate into every facet of my life. I was just better because I was myself. Um, so it definitely took me a little bit to get there. Um, but that's why, you know, I'm so vocal about it now, because if I had that role model when I was younger, I wish I wish I would have had a me. So if by telling my side of the story, by telling my truth of my struggles and you know, telling my truth of being proud to be black and bisexual and, and a woman, then I can change potentially the life of one person. And that makes the world of a difference to me. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, I'm sure there's people that are going to be listening to this and hearing you share those stories and really relating to it. Like it'll, it'll empower other people. So thank you for sharing that. And when you think about it, what would you tell your younger self now? Like that was so inspiring. Like it's so brave the way you speak about it. Oh, I appreciate it. I think I would tell my younger self that embrace you, be authentically yourself, be your genuine self. And if people don't like you, that's okay. But the the real ones are going to know your heart. They're going to know that everything you do is with the most genuine intentions behind it. And um, just to embrace fully me, um, because I feel like I waited to embrace me and I wish I would have done it a little bit earlier because I'm awesome. <laughs> like, I, I think I'm really dope. <laughs> but just to be comfortable in my own skin, um, I think that's the biggest thing that I would tell my younger self. 
when you think about the skills you use for basketball, especially at the level that you play at, how do you take those skills and then how does it help you deal with adversity off the court? My game hasn't come easy. I've had to work for everything in my career. And so it's one of those things where you're constantly just trying to get that 1% better. There'll be goals set at the beginning of the seasons. If I hit them, it's on to the next goal. Um, You know, if I want to work on one solid move for two weeks and I have to get it, like then it's on to the next one. Um, But I think just that resiliency, that determination, that it can be a good and bad thing. Like the inability to just take no for an answer, like, no, I got to figure this out, um, has translated so much into just my everyday life, whether it's my relationship, um, whether it's my friendships, whether it's um, how I go about my business off the court. I feel like being an athlete prepared me for so much of life and to be so resilient in my pursuit of whatever I want. You know, and you, you talk a little bit about it, like you are a leader both on and off the court and many have called you one of the most outspoken athletes in sports. And I think that's a compliment, by the way. How did you come to hone your voice, you know, specifically as it relates to your social activism, which I think has been amazing? Well, first and foremost, coming to the W, um, again, being around powerful and intelligent and strong-willed women every single day, it makes you realize the power that you have, um, not only the power in my voice, but the power in our platforms, um, especially combined Uh, how much of a difference we can make. And I think realizing that and then also seeing in our league, the W stands up for everyone. It doesn't matter what social issue it is, we're the first to speak on it. And so seeing that coming in in 2015 and seeing that, I was like, this is the blueprint. Like, this is our identity. This is who we are. And then in 2016, we took a stance as a league together um, for Black Lives Matters and saying that we can't breathe. And I think realizing how much impact we had um, just by little demonstrations of black t-shirts or kneeling, whatever it may be, that made me realize that I could be a voice for the voiceless. And um, I think before that, I just realized that, you know, a lot of times as athletes, we can feel like we have a microscope on us all times, 24 seven. But I wanted to change that kind of mentality into why has it got to be a microscope? It can be a microphone. And so I want that to be a microphone. I want to be a microphone for what our community needs. Um, you know, these things directly impact me and my life and my wife's life. Um, so how can I be better for not only my family, but my community? Um, and I think that's just really what led into me using my voice. I've always kind of used my voice, but I don't really think I realized the power of it until I got to the WNBA. It's so um, humbling to, to hear you speak, you know, even to the point where last year you skipped a season so you could really focus on your voice and the power of your voice of, to your point, taking the microscope and turning it into a microphone. You know, was that a difficult decision? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it was the hardest decision I've made in my life um, so far, not only my career, but my life. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm very blessed to do what I do and be able to play a sport uh, to provide for my family. But uh, the actuality is that we don't make what our male counterparts make. And so sitting out this season, am I going to be able to provide for myself and my wife? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? We're also in the middle of a pandemic, which is so unknown. All these things are kind of playing in my mind. I'm the point guard. I'm the leader. uh, I'm the vocality of our team. Am I letting my teammates down by not showing up for this season? Um, So, you know, it was a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of tears, a lot of, you know, just emotional days because all while this is happening, we have another sickness in, in our country and the virus in our country, and that is the, the virus of racism. 
So, you know, all while this is happening, George Floyd was just brutally murdered. Uh, we have the case of Breonna Taylor, you know, just hanging over our heads. And as a black woman in America, you know, as a black person in America, you feel every ounce of this trauma. Um, so all this is happening. And two days later, we're talking about a basketball season. And I'm like, I cannot get myself to even think about basketball. I can't even get myself off my couch, let alone talk about a game of basketball. Um, so, you know, I prayed on it and I just really leaned on my, my circle, my wife, my parents. And, um, you know, I just woke up one morning and was like, God intended this journey for me. But I think he intended this game to be much more than just a game. Um, and so he, um, his vessel, um, you know, I'm trying to use my voice and be that voice for the voiceless and, and use this game of basketball to change lives and change things within my community. And I understood the moment. Um, there was this moment of George Floyd woke America up. Um, for black people, it was, this is our everyday reality. But for our white counterparts, this was like the slap in the face of this is what we're screaming about. This is why we're yelling Black Lives Matters. And so there was so much support behind the Black Lives Matter movement. And I thought, if we don't take advantage of this time, if I don't take advantage of this summer and really just dive two feet into social reform, then I'm doing a disservice to a lot of people that look like me. Um, and, and I'd be wasting a really cool opportunity of where America is listening. Um, so that's what really led to my decision to sit out. And I would also say that what America did was wake up the world, not just white people. Like it literally woke up the world. Like there was, you know, people walking, I think everywhere. I mean, I, I come from Australia and I had lots of friends saying like, you know, we're doing peaceful protesting. Like we want to have our voice heard as well. So that you did that was, a, I think, something incredible. And you definitely use your voice for good and people heard you. And I was so excited when I saw um, Converse had made you the first women's basketball player to sign an endorsement deal since they re-entered the basketball market. Congratulations. That was huge. You know, and, you think, you know, and it's such a great brand, you know. And when you think about your ambassadorship, you know, how do your values come together? Are you able to use that as a platform to further use your voice and, and what you talk about, the microscope to the microphone? Absolutely. I'm, I'm truly blessed uh, to be signed to Converse because they're a brand that, again, embraces me, sees me, loves me, and hears me in every facet and really support me um, because I did just sign with Converse right before last season. And so sitting out of that season, I'm technically breaking our contract. That's a breach of our contract. When I told them, I was really scared because... It took me five years to get a shoe deal. I'm finally with a brand that I want to be with, that I align with not only, you know, as my style, but also like my heart and who I am as a person is who they are as a company. And so it was just a perfect alignment. And I was like, all right, guys, like I was sitting this season out. I went through why I was doing what I was doing. And before I could even get done, they were like, we support you. Like, we're behind you 100%. We're going to take this summer on. We're going to take it on together. And whatever we can do to help you and make sure that we're amplifying your voice, that's what we're going to do. And so to hear that from a company, um, because as athletes um, and from the public view, you may not know, but as athletes, me being so outspoken about controversial things within our country, that's like a big no to a lot of companies. Um, so the fact that I have a company that supports me, even though I might ruffle some feathers, um, uh, supports me, even though I might not say or talk about things that are deemed appropriate to other companies, they support me through it. And to have that support, to not fear, uh, 
any repercussions for just being me and making sure that I'm utilizing my platform makes the world of a difference. And then uh, going into last summer, Converse was my biggest help. Anything that I needed, whether it was supporting me and coming to marches or donating to different, um, you know, black organizations, they did that. They showed up and then they also made sure that my family was okay and covered my salary for the WNBA season. So that for me really solidified our partnership and, and making the right decision to align with the right brand and paying my salary. And their reason as to why was we would never let you and your family go during this pandemic and during what is happening in our country right now without making sure that we know you're okay. That just doesn't happen. Um, so I'm, I'm truly blessed to be signed with, with this brand. Now you're back playing this year and you know, how are you finding that balance between like making sure you keep your, your voice alive, you're playing, you've got all your sponsors, like how are you juggling all of this? And then you're trying to have a personal life as well, I'm sure. Like, I mean, how do you juggle it all? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It, it's hard. Some days are really hard. Some days are harder than others. Um, some days they're, I come home and I'm like so drained um, and it's really hard to figure out how to reset and recharge myself. But um, I think my wife is very good at reminding me like, this is what you're intended to do. Um, and you're able to do so like your shoulders are big. Um, so it's going to be able to hold a lot, but when they're not big enough, like I got you and to have that support and that stability at home makes a world of a difference for me. The biggest thing that I did, and a lot of people ask me, well, what is the difference between this summer and last summer? And what I always tell them is that last summer I was able to be two feet in and to be impactful is to be present. So I was present and I, you know, I worked really hard to implement things so that coming into this season, I can be, try to be a champion on the court and still be a champion in my community because everything that I did last summer is now fully functioning while I'm playing. And I, and I met really good people, whether it was Every Town, which is a nonprofit organization focused on sensible gun laws, whether it was the Social Change Fund and Chris Paul was huge for me and giving me resources and opportunities last summer. The Players Coalition with Malcolm Jenkins, who was a Philly Eagle for years and years, um, he asked me to join to be the head of the WNBA section of the, the Players Coalition. So everything that I worked on during the summer is fully functioning while I'm able just to go try to win a championship with my team. Um, so it's still really hard to balance. Um, there's days that I wake up really early in the morning, I go to practice, I get treatment, I come home, I have to do a bunch of meetings, I have to do different podcasts, and, and then I got to figure out time to eat and go to sleep and recover <laughs> and talk to my wife because she gets mad at me now. <laughs> but there, there are days that it is extremely draining, but it's a ne necessary drainage um, in making sure that I remain a voice for, my, for the voiceless and for my community. Yeah. You know, you kind of touched on it, Natasha. Do you ever feel pressure to live up to everyone else's or anyone else's expectations? Because it can kind of get exhausting, right? Yeah, um, it is exhausting. But I don't think that I feel pressure to live up to anyone's expectations. I feel pressure to live up to my expectations um, for what I can be for my community. Um, because if all I ever do is bring a championship to DC in my career, then I fail. I failed my community. I failed a lot of people that look like me and struggle through the same things I struggle with. My platform is intended to be much more than just, you know, 
X's and O's and bringing championships to a city. I really do believe that God intended me to be a voice for the voiceless and, and to make real change and implement real change within our community. In addition to the activism we saw around the fight for racial justice last year, there's also been a big push for equality in sports. The National Women's Soccer League has been fighting for equal pay. Women's sports have been getting more airtime and we've seen surging viewership on TV. Despite women's leagues traditionally existing in the shadow of men's professional and college sports, what progress have you seen in recent years and what challenges do you still see ahead? Like, how can we help like get more equality across this? I think investing in women. Um, you know, I can't speak on every league because every league is different, but I know for the W, we're like the number one league in our country for women's sports. And yet we still have so far to go. And I, and I see it firsthand. I'm married to a professional softball player. And just the difference in our leagues alone is it's sickening. Um, and so when I talk about investing in women, put us on TV, invest in our league, help us with sponsorships, endorsements, make sure that we have women stepping up for us, women that are high up in different companies step up for us and invest in us because what you invest, you will always get back. And I think you, you see it now from the wobble last year, while I sat out, I'm, I'm so proud of every woman that decided to go into that bubble and play out of season and, and say her name. They were able to do so much with that bubble because they were constantly and consistently on TV. They were in front of people. They were literally, you turned on your TV and you could find a WNBA game at any point. There's no surprise that that wobble changed the trajectory of our country simply because they were put on TV. Our support went through the roof. Our numbers went through the roof. We were able to actually implement change within our political system simply because we were put on TV. And we were given those, those paths, those opportunities, those resources to use our voices, um, to be put on in front of people and to be enjoyed. Um, when you invest in women, you will always get you will always get something back from it, something positive. Um, but you can't tell me that we're losing money or we're this or we're that until we're fully invested in. You know, when you think about that for the future of women's sport, you know, in your eyes, you know, where do you see the involvement in the conversation? Like, where, where do you do you see yourself playing a role in helping with that? And how can everybody listening, women and men, help get that story so it doesn't just become something that was a moment of last year. It's got to be a movement, right? Like it can't be a moment. You need to support women. You need to invest in women, whether it's the WNBA, the Women's National Soccer League, the my, my wife plays in Athletes Unlimited, whatever it is, invest in women, support them, watch them, uh, you know, pay for your, we have a league pass, pay $20 for our league pass. Like, whatever it may be to support, buy, buy our jerseys, whatever it is, but just support and bring someone along with you. I, I just, there's so much that our sport has to offer or our league has to offer that is just not being shared with the world. And I wish it was the same way our, our NBA counterparts are because look at the abilities that they have um, to not only influence young, young men and women, but to also create change. We can do the same. Um, so we just have to be invested in, in that sense as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it makes me want to go away and kind of talk to my team about how do we get more actively involved? Like, it's not just enough to watch it on television. Like you have to be actively involved. Like, and no, I want to go buy the t-shirt. I want to buy the $20 passes for my team to go off and start watching the game. Like, it's so cool. Like, I mean, and that, that's an investment that, you know, I might say it's just $20 for me or $20 for a friend. But when you get like thousands of people doing that, that's a groundswell, you know, like you really get like that kind of movement 
um, I was talking about, which is super exciting. You know, Natasha, do you have any upcoming projects or initiatives, new ventures? Like, what are you up to? Uh, working with Converse, uh, we have some things in the work that is coming up that I'm really excited about. Um, but making sure that I'm doing my due diligence, um, not only with where I grew up back in Philadelphia, right outside of it, but also here in D.C., where it's been a second home to me now for seven years. You know, both of these communities, whether it's Philly or Southeast D.C. or D.C. in general, our crime rate is through the roof. And again, making sure that I'm utilizing my platform in the best of the abilities to bring solutions to these communities, um, because I, I'm able to get into different rooms simply because I'm a professional athlete. I really don't think I'm that cool. Like I really, <laughs> I look at myself as a normal kid from Broomall, Pennsylvania, but to other people, I'm cool just because I play basketball. I'm like, You're very cool, Natasha. I'm jumping in there, my friend. You are very cool. <laughs> but it's, like, it's such a benefit because I can get into these rooms. I can have these hard conversations and dialogues about, well, what what's happening? What are, what are we actually doing here within the community to present? like solutions. Have we tried this? Have we tried that? Um, so just simply by using my platform, I can create real change. So I'm really focused on, you know, where my feet are now and making sure that yes, there's long-term things that we can plan and do, but our communities need help right now, like desperately. And so what are we doing to, to help? And you do so much for your community as well, like and at the grassroots level, helping kids as well. I, I just want to acknowledge that and, and thank you. You know, I think it's lovely. I appreciate it. I'm a big kid. So <laughs> it's so nice. Natasha, thank you so much for your time on the Conversation Series. You have been an absolute pleasure. This has been my privilege to have the opportunity to speak with you today. You give a voice to the voiceless and, I, and I'm going to really remember that and, and just the humbleness and focus that you do it with is incredible. It's been an absolute pleasure and privilege. So thank you so much on behalf of everybody at City National Bank, but I've just enjoyed this so much. Thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll subscribe to Conversations so you'll never miss an episode. We have lots of great guests this season who will inform and inspire you. 